Good morning, family. Good to see everyone this morning, especially our guests today. Thank you for being here and being a part of our assembly. And if you're coming through and you're headed somewhere else and you stop by today, thanks for doing that. Once you know, you're welcome. Hope you can get another chance to come by and see us sometime. My cousin from Arkansas made it in today. Good to see him. They went to the ball game last night. And I wonder why they've been winning, but Camille was here. So she's the good luck charm. So that has to be it. Uh, but anyway, they're from Mountain Home and they're headed back today and they stopped in today. And for anybody else, our guest today, thank you for being here. And if you're from our area, from town, and you come by today, thanks for being here. I want you to know that anytime you want to, come back and be a part of our assemblies. Hopefully you'll be encouraged by being here this morning. You know, I, I've got to talk about some things that I hope will be a little bit challenging, but also some encouraging, some very interesting stories from the New Testament this morning. Uh, but this morning's lesson is called Climb, Shove, or Shout. I'm not talking about what's going to happen to all you teachers in a few days, <laughs> all right? This is something different, all right? Uh, have you ever noticed that sometimes it, it seems like that uh, when you talk to someone, say, uh, about what you believe in, uh, about Christ, you talk to, him, uh, uh, talk to someone about, about God and the importance of believing in God and the importance of believing in His Son and what His Son did and, and that sort of thing, and when you talk about those things, it almost feels like you're having to convince them of something, or, or you, it's almost like you're trying to get them to do something. You ever, you ever feel that way? And, and I've, I've noticed that, that other people that you're talking to, they kind of feel like you're trying to get them to do something. And, and, and that, Do you ever feel that way? I mean, I don't know. It's like we're trying to convince people of something, that, and, and, or make, you know, and it, it's almost like we're trying to you know, sell iced Eskimos type thing. You know what I mean? It's like, no, come on, you really need And I understand that people would be skeptical of that if that was their uh, idea. Because, I mean, somebody is trying to sell something to somebody every day, right? Every time you tell, turn on your television, you're bombarded with this idea, you need this, buy this, this will make your life better. You need to go here, have this thing, or drive this car, right? Those are the, we're just pushed with that. People are constantly trying to tell us or give us or get us to do something. This morning, I want you to know that this is a different kind of thing when you talk about Christ. And I wish, oh, I wish I could get someone, anyone to see that. I mean, that's not a Christian. Don't you wish you could just say, listen, I'm going to tell you about Christ. Because if you know about my Savior, all of a sudden it's not going to be whether or not I can convince you to follow Him. You're going to say, how do I do it and let me do it. No one's going to get in my way to do it if you believe in what Christ has done. So this morning I'd like to talk about that because it's, it's, it's a, a deal that, that I, I notice there's people that will do anything to get close to Christ. Oh, interesting stories. I love reading about them. Here's one. This is in Luke chapter 19. You guys have probably read this many times. Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through, and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Well, we all know him, right? Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since he knew that Jesus was coming that way. Well, when Jesus reached that spot, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm a stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. Now, is this an interesting story or what? I mean, talk about going out on a limb, right? Now, here's somebody that would go out on a limb to see what Jesus was going to do, right? Now, 
I, you know, Zacchaeus, and we talked about tax collectors before, but this wasn't just a tax collector. Did you guys notice that? He was a, he was in charge of the tax collectors, right? I mean, he was a, he was a guy that, that knew a guy, right? He was the guy that was in charge of the guys that did the tax collecting. So he was not well-liked, people didn't, but now you can say all you want about those sort of things, and of course, that's why Jesus, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that Jesus looked at him and said, I want to I talk to you, right? Because there's some things you and I need to discuss. But the whole thing was, there was a crowd in front of a guy who wanted to see Jesus. And he was vertically challenged. He was short, right? And that's the whole thing. He was just a short little guy and he couldn't see. And so he wanted to see Jesus. That was, that was his idea. Now, maybe he had heard, I know he had heard so many things about what Jesus has done. And here he is coming into town. And he's like, yeah, i got to see this guy. But he gets there and the crowd is terrible and he can't see. So he does what a short person does. He goes and finds him a tree and climbs up so he can see. You know, we make a lot out of that story. But really, that's all there was to it, right? I wonder. You know, sometimes you see pictures of him, you know, sitting in the tree and I get this feeling there's probably several people up in the tree, right? I mean, there's probably a bunch of them, and they were probably all short, right? But they all climb up so they can see. They weren't, and I see people sitting on top of people's shoulders looking at you so they can see Jesus. This is the guy everybody's been talking about, right? I want to know about him. I want to see this guy. So Zacchaeus climbs a tree. Interesting that this look that he got, finally, and he did get it, right? Jesus did come by, and he finally was able to see him. That's what he wanted to do. When he saw him, Jesus saw him too. And that changed everything. Matter of fact, the story goes on like this. All the people saw this. Now, what he'd done with Zacchaeus, and they began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. Huh? But Zacchaeus stood up and he said, look, Lord, in other words, there's some things going on here. Here and now, I give half of my possession to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. What an interesting story. One look. See Christ. See what it's... And all of a sudden, the stories, all the things he had heard, they became real, right? Because now he's in the presence of and talking to Jesus. Now, it doesn't say here necessarily how long this happened. He's gone to be the guest of the sinner. So evidently they're, they're gone or they're on their way or maybe they're already in the house and they're already talking. But it comes up that, hey, this guy's hanging around with people that are sinners. If they knew anything about Christ, they'd know where that's where he wanted to be all the time. Amen? That's why he came. Matter of fact, the last, verse, last thing you read here in this verse is the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And aren't we glad? That was his idea. That's what he wanted to do, seek and save the lost. And so that's what he did. And Zacchaeus changed his life at that moment. Now, what he says is, hey, I am going to give half of my possession to the poor. Now, he didn't say all of them, so I guess he got some work to do. I give half my possession to the poor. And not only that, but if I've cheated people, I'm not only going to give it back, I'm going to give it back four times as much. Changed his life and encounter with Christ changed everything oh how about another story a large crowd followed around Jesus and they pressed around him and there was a woman there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had that she had yet instead of getting better she only got worse now when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak 
because in her mind she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Now, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. In other words, touched him, it happened, just like she said. There's an idea that I don't want you to see. Is there, this, this thing about Christ, she knew what Christ could do. Matter of fact, maybe uh, someone had told her about a miracle that he had done, someone that he had healed, somebody took, you know, some issue that he had taken care of. And so she thought, I have done all this stuff for all 12 years. I have been suffering with this thing. She spent every, I mean, I can see it be one of those desperation deals. What else am I going to do? I got no money left. I can't go to any other doctors. And you guys remember, if you read, especially back in Leviticus, that if someone's bleeding, they have this unusual discharge of blood, they're considered unclean, right? I mean, they are, uh, you know, put away from society. It was, it was a cleanliness deal and an idea of germs and that sort of thing. Not that they knew that, but they knew that if you were, you know, if you were going through that, you couldn't be out there and people couldn't touch you. They were, you were considered unclean. And yet, this is what she did. Not only will I sneak through the crowd, but I'm going to touch. I'm just going to touch his clothes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because I know if I do that, I'll be cleansed. That is a very interesting story, because if I can just touch him, I'll have the cleansing. Here's the thing about Christ. If, we'll just, if we can somehow lift him up, because he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw him in unto me. If we can somehow lift up Christ and people can believe in him, then they're always going to go to him for cleansing. And he's the only one who can give it. I mean, that's the story of Christ, the cleansing from their sins. And so this woman wanted to just touch him, and so she goes and does whatever she could. If I can just touch his clothes, I know that I'll be healed. And doesn't the story get interesting now? Because this is what happens. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Have you ever read that before? Every time I read it, I'm like, is it, you know, like, like he sees some kind of superhero and he does something, he's all wore out. I just go, oh. I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't think there was a limit or it was really hard for Christ to heal people. I don't think that was the idea. I think he just knew that something special had happened, okay? In other words, it, it didn't take anything from him as far as, oh, now I'm tired, what happened? You know, I don't have, I don't have enough healing power now to go get Jairus' daughter, like, which, as a matter of fact, this is where he's on his way. No, it wasn't that. He just realized that something special had happened. And he looked around and he said, hey, who touched me? I mean, there's a big crowd, I guess. You know, crowds followed Jesus everywhere, didn't they? Especially after he started doing some miraculous things and people saw what he was and what he did. No, oh, he was thronged by people all the time. Well, in this situation, there were so many people around him that he looked around and he said, Who touched me? Somebody touched me. Who was it? And I find it interesting the disciples said, Come on, man. We got this crowd all around you. How can you say, Who touched me? Who knows who touched you, right? But Jesus, he kept looking around to see who had done it. Do you find that interesting? God himself looking around to see who did it? Wouldn't you think he said, no, 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 you, right? But he's looking around like, who was it? Who would have did that, right? Matter of fact, the woman said, and she knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell at his feet and she trembled with fear. She was afraid, so she'd done something, right? Told the whole truth and he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I just touch, if I can just touch his garment, I know I'm going to have what I've been needing so badly. That's the way people, that's the way I want people to search for my Lord. I'll do what I got to do just to 
touch the hem of his garment, I know he can take care of my problems. How about another story? Matthew chapter 20, Jesus was leaving Jericho. If you remember the first story we read about, he was, he was walking around in Jericho. Well, hey, now he's leaving Jericho, and there's a large crowd that followed him, of course. And there were two blind men that were sitting by the roadside. When they heard Jesus was going by, in other words, they couldn't see it, so, you know, the, I mean, maybe it was hear the crowd going by, people talking about him or whatever. And they heard he was going by, and they began uh, to, to shout, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd, you notice that? Again, we got a crowd problem. The crowd rebuked him and told him to be quiet. And they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Right? In other words, I hear your faith. This is one of those things where... The, Again, we got somebody with a problem, and they see someone who can take care of the problem, right? Jesus is the answer to their problem. And it was a situation where she was bleeding for 12 years. She, she needed an answer to her problem, so she did it. Matter of fact, Zacchaeus, he didn't, have, he didn't know it, but he had a problem also, right? He took care of that. So here we go again. Two blind guys. They were blind, and they had a problem, so they're hollering, screaming, yelling, making noise so that Christ will hear them. Interesting, isn't it? Because of their noise, uh, how about this pun? The blind are seen, right? You make enough noise, the blind are seen. Jesus sees them, and this is what he does. He stopped and he called them, what do you want me to do for you? And they asked, Lord, we want our sight. In other words, this is our main issue. This is what we need in life. We need this. And he said, Jesus had compassion on them. He touched their eyes and immediately received their sight. And then what else did they do? And, you know, isn't it interesting that when Christ takes care of the issue, most of the time people say, I follow you, whatever you need, right? You have, you, there's things I need in life, and I thought it was my physical needs, but now I realize that I'm just going to follow you because you got everything, right? Lift up Christ, he'll show you to the world. But I also noticed that as I've gone through life, not a lot of people applaud my belief. Not a lot of people are saying, Rick, way to go. We love that you believe in God. We love that you're putting your life in Christ. Now, you ever heard the phrase crowd control? Now, most of the time when you hear the phrase crowd control, you're thinking about, you know, maybe a policeman or a guard or something, and they've got this unruly crowd, and they're coming in, and they're trying to control the crowd. I mean, that's the kind of our idea, right? How about we use it in a little different way today? What I see, what I feel is, not that we are controlling the crowd, but that the crowd is controlling us. It's almost like we come to the point in our lives where, where what other people are doing are determining what we do. Or what the majority, and I thought about that, the majority rules. What the majority says is right is what we come to think is right. Okay, crowd control. We're being controlled by the crowd. Now, you may say, no, 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 not me. I don't do that. Careful. Careful. The way you are dressed this morning was determined by the crowd. Your hairdo was determined by the crowd. Now, personally, I'd kind of like to go back a few years when all the men wore the white wigs so nobody knew. Okay, right? You're the way you do things, the way you act, the way you talked. So much of your life is determined 
by the crowd, whether you want to admit it or not, so much of who you are is determined by the crowd. Now, I'm not saying anything as a, about those things as far as right or wrong. What I am saying is this. When the crowd starts to determine our priorities, our morals, our moral compass, our beliefs or the lack of our belief, when they start to determine that, then the majority has ruled too long. It's time for us to stand up and say, I'm sorry, crowd, I cannot go along with you. I know nothing about this. I've never actually picked up crabs in my life. Well, maybe one. A little baby one on a beach. And look, a crab. Okay. But people that collect crabs, okay, and you guys can read about it on the internet. They have this bucket, and they put the crab in the bucket. Now, here's the thing about a crab in a bucket. If you put a crab in a bucket, he immediately crawls out of the bucket, right? I guess. Like I say, this is, this, if I ever do it once, that'll be my first time, right? Putting crabs in a bucket. Now, they say if you can get just two or three or four, if you can get more than one crab in the bucket, you don't have any problems. That's what I've heard. Because in the crab bucket, one crab starts to climb up, right? But the problem is all the other crabs are starting to climb up too. So as soon as he gets up a little bit, guess what the other crabs do? They grab a hold of him and they're trying, right? Everybody's trying to get up, get out of the bucket. So when one crab tries it, they're all pulling him back down. You see my point? Sometimes life is like that. And the crowd is like that. If you ever try to say, no, 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 I'm not going to do this anymore, get ready. Because the crowd will be pulling. And it'll be tugging. And it'll say, no, no, no. You believe that stuff? Come on, that's old style. That's, that's out of this, you know, people don't believe that anymore. It's not real. It's not. Pull you back down. Come on now. And I've also noticed that just in general, I don't hope I don't hurt anybody's feelings here, okay? Just in general in life, people do not want you to succeed. I mean, Rick, you're so pessimistic. People that aren't Christians especially, they don't want you to succeed. Matter of fact, if they would say, yeah, I want you to succeed, it's only so your success might help them succeed also. Or, I'll let you, I, I want you to succeed as long as you don't succeed more than I am. As long as you're below me, hey, everything's great. It's just the way people look at other people. It's the way people treat other people. I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to push my thoughts, my way, my... I'm going to be first, and that's the way they live. Sadly, the crowd will always be pushing you down. They'll always want to get a hold of you. They'll always want to get ahead of you. They'll always want to tell you why what you think or your belief is not the way it should be. That's the way the crowd works. Now, you may be saying, Rick, you're really down on people in general. No, I'm just acknowledging what people are really like. I'm not down on them because I know that if it weren't for Christ, I would live just like them. You guys say amen to that? If it weren't for Christ changing my life, I'd, be, I'd go along with it. And never, I, that's normal. It's the way I'd do it. But as Christians, we do things differently. Now, what I'm going to ask us to do today is stand up, stand out. Be God's child regardless of what the majority says regardless of anybody who tries to control us, we are our Lord's, we belong to Him, and we'll do whatever we have to do to make sure Christ is first. No one will keep us from being God's child.
not our bosses, not especially not our televisions. No one's going to tell us what to believe. We will only turn to our Lord and we will see what He says. Sometimes, when it comes to the crowd, you have to rise above, shove through, or shout above the crowd. Right? You can't let the crowd keep you from doing what you know you've got to do. This morning, I encourage you, put Christ first in your life. What are you waiting on? Well, Rick, you really haven't convinced me. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just trying to let you know about Christ. Because once you know about Christ, it's, I'm going to have to convince you. I'm going to have to hold you back. Because you will do anything to do what Christ says. Now, there are some people sometimes, even, I mean, they're not Christians, and we seem like we're just trying to, you know, come on, you know, you got to please know. I want, and we are that way. We really want people to know about Christ, so we do whatever we can to get them to come to know Christ. But it's not just people who aren't Christians. Sometimes it's Christians that look at what Christ says and they'll say, I'm not convinced that I don't want to do that or not. I'll give you half, but come on, don't ask for everything. Sometimes people know about Christ and they start to believe in Him and yet they see things that He might ask them to do or not to do. And they say, oh, come on now. I, I want to keep a little of that. In other words, what I'm asking us to do is to climb up trees, to shove through crowds, to yell above everybody, whatever you got to do, put Christ first in our life. Make sure He's number one. We live for Him completely. We know He's coming back. Amen? Isn't it nice to know? I love watching the replay of the Cardinals games. You know why I like to watch the replay? I already know. I've already seen on my phone who won. So, and if they lose, guess what? I don't watch the replay. <laughs> Why do I care? I know they lost. You know, if they went, and I like it because I know what happened. Right? Isn't it nice? Isn't it life changing? Isn't it peaceful to know what happens in this life? You already know the end. You know what's going to happen at the end. So therefore, you don't have to be all anxious about stuff that's going on today. Only thing you're anxious about is getting someone else to know Christ. Right? You just want them to know so they can be ready when he comes back again. Our Lord didn't leave us and say, I'm never coming back. When our Lord left, he says, I'm coming back. And I'm going to take you to be with me so you can be where I am. Our Lord comes back for his people. Let's make sure we're following our Lord in every way. If you need to respond, Christ calls you to come to him. If you need to be buried into Christ through baptism, confess him as your Lord. If you need to put him first in your life, maybe this morning you've got some stuff that you know shouldn't be there. Let's decide no more. We live for Christ and Christ alone. If you want to respond as he calls to you, I want you to do this together. We stand and sing this song.